it's a good morning. Uh, I went outside this morning and knew it was a little gloomy and cloudy, you know. It's one of those mornings where you kind of go, I don't know if I can get it going this morning or not. Uh, went out and picked up the paper off the driveway, but... Uh, you know, I, I took in a breath of fresh air this morning. It was good. The air was good this morning. And uh, I looked up, and there's a flock of geese flying over. I, I think looked like they were heading south. I'm not sure where, <laughs> where, where they were headed. <laughs> Might tell us something. But uh, but I, I think it's, it's wonderful when we can see the blessing of God, even on a cloudy, gloomy morning. And, uh, know that He's there for us, cares about us, loves us. And uh, so that was refreshing this morning to get up and breathe some fresh, good good Colorado air. Uh, I'm a little bit bummed this morning. Uh, Karen's not here. And uh, she's substituting in the second and third grade class this morning. And uh, I like having her around. She's she's kind of a big supporter for some reason. And uh <laughs> Don't don't tell her I said that because I know she'd get a big head if you did. But, uh, but anyway, I guess I'll have to do it without her this morning. But uh, anyway, hey, let's let's dig in. I uh, was I want to pray first. Dear Father, we just want to thank you so much uh, uh, for the blessing of life, the blessing of another day, and Father, just the joy of uh, being your children and being able to call you Father. Um, You've done so much for us uh, from beginning to end. You've loved us, and we thank you for that. And uh, We thank you so much for the grace and mercy that you pour out on our lives each and every day and uh, just how you bless us uh, in so many rich and wonderful ways. And uh, we just thank you for this morning, the blessing of this fall morning. Uh, change of seasons is in the air, and we're thankful for that. Uh, Father, we see you in creation and we just worship and praise you because of what we see and what we understand. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, we thank you so much for uh, our community, our family here at Metal Ark, our ability to, to be together to, to study and encourage one another, love one another, and, and uh, to just grow in our love and appreciation for you. We're thankful, thankful so much for... Uh, the Apostle Paul, and uh, the great example that he has always been to us as, as we read about his life, as we study the things he left for us uh, that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the words that he gives us. Uh, they inspire us. They uh, motivate us. They encourage us. We thank you for that. And So I just pray that you bless our, our study together this morning. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One drink of Pepsi and then I'm ready to go. You know, as I uh, as I considered the vastness uh, of the universe, uh, and as I uh, am reminded that I am just one among eight billion people on this earth, I think it's. Uh, it's easy for me to feel pretty insignificant. Um, and I wonder, uh, when I think about that, uh, how God could see any value in me. 
how he would be mindful, as a Hebrew writer would put it, how he would be mindful of me at all. But uh, then I'm just so thankful uh, for his revelation to me. He's revealed himself to me in spite of the fact that it's easy for me to feel really insignificant. He's chosen to reveal himself to me uh, in so many rich and, and uh, wonderful ways. Uh, and so I find, you know, I find great, great joy in that. Uh, and I can go to a book like Romans. Uh, and I find inspiration and I find encouragement and I find words that can move me. Uh, move me in a positive and a good direction. Uh, and I understand that I do have value uh, in God's eyes. And that's a wonderful thing to understand. I, it, it requires faith on our part. Faith is always required. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, but it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, and as we look... Uh, kind of bringing you up to where we are today in Romans 5. We, we go back and Paul says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And he says uh, in the gospel, uh, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness uh, that is by faith from first to last. Right after that, in verse 18 of chapter 1, he, said, he says the wrath of God is revealed against ungodliness and unrighteousness. You know, I think it's easy uh, for me to think about God's love, but not want to deal with God's wrath. And I think a lot of people do that. Uh, uh, a lot of people, even maybe some Christians, might say, hey, that part of God is kind of irrelevant now. We don't want to talk about God's wrath. We want to focus on God's love. But in my mind, that would be a big mistake uh, to make. Uh, because I don't think we can really understand His love unless we understand His wrath. And I need to understand, as, and I think Paul's telling me this and reminding me of this, that I am an object of God's wrath. And rightfully so. Uh, my sin has put me in that position. Paul would say that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But I, I think that in order to really appreciate his love, we need to have an understanding for the purpose and reason for his wrath. And uh, I think the first thing we need to consider is the nature of God. If we're going to disregard part of His nature, we're not going to really know God, are we? Because we know that God is righteous. God is holy. He is just. And yes, God is love. But what is wonderful about God is that even though I have created a dilemma for Him, you have created a dilemma for Him, haven't you? By His very nature. You see, you see God wants to reach out to us. For some reason, he wants to have a relationship with us. That's amazing. Hey, Daniel made it back from parts long away from here. It's good to have you, brother. When did you get back yesterday? Yeah, last night. Okay. It's good to have you back. But, but we need to consider his nature and what he's done 
for us in reconciling his nature uh, so that he might have a relationship with us. And uh, it's amazing that God would think, I seek a relationship with these people I've created, these humans. What must I do to reconcile my nature? And what does he do? Is it not amazing what he chooses to do? Paul later in Romans 5, in fact, in Romans 5, we're going to look at today, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what God decided to do. So I think in order for me to appreciate his love, I need to understand his wrath and what he has truly done to turn away that wrath for me. Uh, Last week we talked about how the death of Jesus is an atoning sacrifice on our behalf. Uh, it's the doctrine of perpetuation. I know you guys love that word. I do too. But I, that's why I keep saying it, perpetuation. It's the idea of atonement. Uh, Christ died for us. That's what Paul says. He died for us. He died for our sins. And because of that, God's wrath is turned away from us. And praise God for that. And because of that atoning sacrifice, we now stand justified in the sight of God, in His presence. We are now justified. And because of that, Jesus has redeemed us from a life of sin and death. He's, he's, he's redeemed. He set us free from the bondage of slavery uh, the, the, or the slavery uh, of sin and death. And we praise Him for that. And then we, we looked in that, uh, Romans 4 last week at Abraham. Uh, Abraham's a good example of justification by faith. Uh, and Paul makes it clear that Abraham was justified before he was circumcised and not after. And all Paul was saying, hey, Abraham was one of the greatest examples of faith we have, but it was nothing that Abraham did that justified him before God. Uh, So Abraham was justified before God because of his faith. So, hey, that leads us to the therefore In chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've got some words highlighted. I hope you guys... Yeah. I don't know. How that turned out. It looks good on my computer. I'm not sure how good it looks up there. <laughs> I need some training. I need some education on PowerPoint, I think. But uh, some, some nice shades of purple. <laughs> uh, you can follow along with me <laughs> on your phones or your Bible. How are you going to? But therefore, since we have been justified, uh, the point that I want to make about the word justified is the tense. Uh, past tense, present tense. That's the way I am today. Right now. I'm justified before God. That means that I can approach His throne, as a Hebrews writer would say, I can approach His throne with confidence, knowing that I will receive mercy in my times of need. Uh, so that's me right today. I stand just before God uh, this 
this cloud of, of sin and guilt has been lifted off of me. Uh, I no longer have to see myself before God as an unrighteous, ungodly person, but I've been justified by the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. So I, I think just that idea that, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, then he goes on to say, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, tell me about peace with God. Does that do anything for you right now at, in this moment? Being at peace with God, does that do anything for you right now? Anybody want to say anything about that? Peace yeah. allows for, for friendship. Yeah. You can't yeah. have a friendship if there is peace. Right. And, and yeah. Friendship is just the beginning of our relationship with God. Yeah, you're right. Very good, yeah. Friendship with God. This allows you to see the big picture. A lot of times in our daily lives, if we have a lot of anxiety, pressure, yeah. So we, I think we have a lot of inner peace right now because we're at peace with God, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Having peace with God uh, gives us like a, a place of rest and refuge, and yeah. also yeah. Um, confidence. Like, like it, I think it says somewhere in here, confidence, but just the confidence and not having to be concerned about the same things that everybody else around us is. We can show other people, hey, look, because we have peace with God. Um, like we don't have to worry about this thing. Like right. we have peace with him. Yeah. He's, you know, he's on our side. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, I want to tie we in with he's on our side. Uh, we're no longer at war with him, right? Uh, Paul's going to say, "Hey, we were enemies. We're no longer at war with God." <laughs> I don't want God as an enemy. I really don't. Uh, but now I have peace. With him, You know, he's on my side. If God is for me, who can be against me? Paul would say in Romans 8. Uh, this is a good thing to be at peace with God. Uh, and that happens through, through Jesus. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Think about that picture. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith. Think about standing in grace. Standing in grace. Not falling out of grace, but standing in grace. Uh, What does that mean? What does it mean to stand in grace? I said it's not like falling out of grace. So, does that give you any indication of where I'm heading with this? It makes me think of some kind of stability yeah. that we have knowing that, that we've been given this gift of forgiveness. Yeah. So it goes along with, kind of with the peace. Yeah, it does. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's security. 
Paul's trying to say, hey, you're secure in this justification that you've received. You're secure in God's grace. You know, I, as a, I think growing up in the church, uh, I heard a lot of sermons. Preaching was a little bit more on the hell and damnation side, I think, when I was growing up, which is fine. We need some of that. But I, I had this vision of walking along a cliff. And that's kind of where I was at with God, and it was easy to fall off that cliff. Uh, I didn't really feel very secure in my salvation. Uh, But that is not the case at all. You see, you're at peace with God. God's on your side now. Yeah, we're still in a battle. Uh, It's still a struggle with sin, as Paul's going to tell us in, in Romans 7. We're still struggling. But you see, God is on our side now. And salvation is not the issue. Salvation is not the issue. Uh, So we need to be secure in that. Uh, We need to know that we can find the grace that we need in our lives. uh, So we can be secure in that. And he goes on to say, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God, the hope of the glory of God. Um. Any thoughts about that and what Paul is trying to tell us about we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God? Any thoughts about it? Yeah, Nathan. I think if you're feeling more on the wrath side of God, you are not hoping for that. To see his glory, right? You're thinking, I'm not going to see the glory of God. It's not a good thing to. Yeah. Seeing the face of God is a terrifying thing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I think I think you know it, Nathan. Um, the glory of God is our final state of salvation. You see, one day we're going to see the glory of God. And yeah, go ahead, Angela. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I just, I mean, I I see the picture of just God picking us up. Yeah. Yeah, you can stand. Uh, We're going to want to fall on our face, but we see him picking us up. And and looking us in the face, Revelation said we're going to see the face of God. I can't even imagine what that is going to be like. You know, Moses wanted to see the face of God, didn't he? And God passed through him, put him in a rock, and... uh, um, but hey, we're gonna we're gonna see the glory of God, and that's the final state of our salvation is seeing the glory of God. So Paul's saying we have hope in that, and it's not just a fleeting hope or a wishful hope; it's a steadfast hope. I think it's something that we can count on, uh, and, and Paul's just trying to tell us that. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And there you have hope again. Beginning and end end of that phrase. But we we rejoice in our sufferings. One of the questions I sent out this week is, do you find joy in suffering? Paul says that that we're going to know some things and that we're going to be able to rejoice in our sufferings. How do you find joy 
and suffering? I mean, this is, this is a real question, right? We've all suffered. We're all going to suffer. How do we find joy in that? One way is by knowing what it produces. Yeah, right. That's what he says. You know what it produces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it produces something in us uh, that is painful when it's happening. When this thing is going on inside of us, when God is working in our lives in spite of the pain or the suffering we feel. Uh, it also appears the Holy Spirit helps. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, definitely the Spirit. Uh, they're in helping us understand all these things. Yeah, Chuck. It's exciting to me. It's kind of kind of neat to me as I as I see various brothers and sisters, Christians, going through suffering and having a joy that does not make sense. Yeah, it's unearthly. It's unworldly. And that can be the most um, outstanding opportunity for the world to see that you 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 shouldn't have joy at this. Time. You shouldn't have peace at this right. time. Right. Uh, in talking with Maria earlier this week or last week. Um, and, and even the day of her surgery earlier this week, there was a joy there that was just did not make sense to the doctors, to the nurses as she was going through her surgery. Yeah. You're not supposed to be like this. Yeah. I, I think joy and suffering may, maybe makes us the most like Jesus uh, when we have joy. I, I think that may have been one of his most remarkable characteristics was the joy that I know that he showed in his life. Jesus' life wasn't that easy all the time. But when we show joy in our suffering, I, I, that may make us the most like Jesus. Uh, it's unworldly, as Chuck would say. People just don't expect it. Um, so, yeah, somehow we find joy in our suffering because we know that suffering produces endurance. Uh, I think the NIV would... Uh, say perseverance, suffering produces perseverance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Let's talk a little bit about character. I, th- I think we're talking about character right now. Uh, what happens in this process of God working in our lives through uh, all the things that are going on. But it produces character, and it's that character that gives us hope. Uh, what... What is there about that character uh, that makes it different, uh, that makes it unworldly? Any thoughts about that? When you see a person that has this kind of, yeah. Well, my, my version says proven character. Okay, yeah. And so I think it ties all the way back because the first word is exalt, which is like living in confidence. Right, God, right, right. And then tribulations, which is like that pressure and burdens on our spirit. Right. And then it goes into the perseverance, which is like right. yielding under the pressure. And then we get to the proven character. Yeah. It didn't say proven character then makes these things. No. No. Like, yeah. No. Proven. I, the word proven there is kind of what I'm thinking. Tested. Uh, a character that's been tested under fire, uh, that has gone through the fire, uh, and been refined by it. Uh, yeah. Something within us that's proven and tested and allows us to persevere, uh, to endure. Uh, And that character produces hope because we know uh, we can depend on God. Uh, And so he says, and hope does not put us to shame. 
Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Did you know this is the first time in Romans that the love of God is mentioned? The first time in Romans that God's love has been mentioned. Uh, it's there, right? It's always been there. It's, it's there throughout the book. But Paul's never used the word love before. But he says, because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God's love is always there. Uh, it's a part of His nature that motivated Him to deal with the wrath that He has because of our sin. Uh, God's love is the motivation for reconciliation in His nature and with us. Uh, and this idea that God's love is just poured out, you know, it's just, just poured out into our hearts. Uh, it fills us, the Holy Spirit fills us with the love of God uh, that's been given to us. And I, I think we see in these next few verses how great the love of God is. Uh, because he says, for while we were still weak, uh, and I put or powerless, I think that's what the NIV says, for while we were still powerless or still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, and that ungodly, by the way, is the same word that Paul uses in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 18, when it says the wrath of God is being revealed against ungodliness and unrighteousness. But here Paul says, but for while we were, but at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The same people that his wrath is being revealed against. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now receive reconciliation. Um, going back to that idea of how God reconciles His nature because He wants to have a relationship with us. It's amazing that He wants to still have a relationship when He knows that we're weak. Uh, he knows we're sinners. And He calls us enemies. Uh, are you willing to die for an enemy? Uh, for a righteous person, maybe, or even for a good person, but for an enemy? How great is the love of God? And it's this reconciliation of his nature. And it's in the faith uh, in the way that we receive it that we've been saved. We've been taken from death to life. 
Any thoughts about that? Gary? Yeah. I love Paul's logic here. Yeah. Uh, his point is, if God loved us when we were weak, ungodly enemies and sinners, how do you think he's going to treat us now that we're friends? Yeah, I'll say, yeah, right. So we don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to fear God. He's, he's, right. he's on our side, as you said. Yeah, yeah. As Nathan said, we don't have to worry about seeing his face, you know, that uh, we're not going to receive wrath, but we're going to receive his love. Uh, yeah, it just changes everything. That was kind of the title of my class. Uh, his gift changes everything uh, because we're no longer enemies, but we're his friends. We're, we're his children. We're his most loved children. Amazing, crazy thought, but it's true. I believe with all my heart. Uh, that is true. Anything else? I find this passage really um, challenging. Yes. That saying, if I'm going to be like Christ, how am I treating my enemies? Right. How am I treating people that are unkind to me? Right. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So, At the end of that passage, we again see this gift of righteousness that God has given to us. Uh, In justification, He's given us His righteousness. Um, I and and I think Paul's going to say this. I mean, that changes everything for us. It changes how we view God, how we want to react to His love and to His grace. We're going to be talking more about that, but uh, we see that God wants to give us His righteousness and that's so we can stand in His presence. And we can be His friend. We can be His child. We can be His children. His most loved children. I've highlighted two words there that you probably can't see, but uh, they are the words reigned and reign. I want us to think about those words here in a minute as we kind of close out this section. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness leads to justification 
and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to, came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A couple of things I wanted to talk about. Talk about the word reign. Paul talks about sin reigning and grace reigning. Uh, when you have a reign, you usually have a kingdom, right? Uh, when you're reigning over something, you're... You, you're talking about a kingdom usually. So we see sin reigning over the kingdom, uh, a sin of death, and we see grace reigning, uh, the kingdom of grace. And I'm thankful that I now live in the kingdom of grace. Uh, and that grace changes everything for me. It, it, uh, it just allows me to, uh, to seek God for who He is and to try to understand His love for me, even though that's difficult at times to understand why He would love me. But Paul says that where sin increased, grace abounded. Grace is always going to have the trump card. It's always going to be the trump card. As long as we have faith in Jesus Christ, uh, grace is always going to abound. And it's going to take care of our sin problem. And I just, I just thank God for that. And, of course, it leads me to life. It leads me to, um, to someday I'll see the glory of God. Uh, someday I'll share in the glory of Christ. Uh, I'm a co-heir with Christ, as Paul says in Romans 8. Um, so this is a beautiful process uh, that this changes everything. This changes everything. It's a game changer for sure in my life. Uh, it leads me from death to life. That's all I have this morning other than final comments from you guys. Anything? Yeah, Jason. I think intellectually I can kind of begin to understand how my sin is connected with grace and that trump card like you talked about. But it's hard to feel it mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah, you still deal with the guilt, right? Yeah. And you're saying, "Hey, could God really?" I mean, I seem to be keep keep doing the same thing over and over. Uh, Why? How can God? How does God give me grace in that? Yeah.
like right. that happy medium because yes, we do want to have that personal relationship with God, but then we go back and we read Job, and he, you know, were we there when he created mm -hmm. everything? Do we have that kind of power? And so having that personal relationship, but also the level of respect and reverence that we need to have yeah. for him because of who he is. Yeah. I mean, it's not like having a relationship with our earthly dad, even though it should be, but at the same time, yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, for me, that that increases my love for him. It's what like what I talked about with the wrath and coming to terms with God's wrath. That increases my love for him, understanding the purpose of his wrath uh, and understanding what he did to remove that wrath from me. But yeah, I still respect him. I still need to have a fear for him. He can take me out. It's only by His grace that He's chosen not to take me out. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and when I see His glory, I think there's going to be a lot of respect going on there. A lot of respect. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Angela? Oh, I'm talking to Angela. I, I mean, Angela, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Corey. <laughs> you guys are talking a lot. <laughs> Corey, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. I'm sorry. No. So, we're justified because kind of like what you were saying, like we do something wrong and we're like, uh, you know, but I love like that the word justified, it says to bring out the fact that one is righteous and if not, to make one righteous. It's not like we declare ourselves righteous. Like, no. and, and that's so hard. Like what you were saying, it, it's like, but I'm not righteous. I know I'm not. Right. How do I feel that way? Yeah. And then that's why I love, I, I feel like the pressure's off when I look at that, what we were talking about earlier with the, um, like, it's like first you're exalted, then you have your tribulations, then you have proven character, and then you have hope. Yeah. And that hope is like happy certainty. Right. Like, I haven't been through all my tribulations yet, so it's, I guess it's okay that I don't have total happy certainty quite yet. Right. Total work and yeah. progress. Or I yeah. feel like the pressure's a little bit off to not always be like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, it is a process. Uh, you know, we need to understand that it's a process, and, and, and we are growing in it. And, um, you know, if you ask some people, if you ask, if I ask this group today, uh, do you consider yourself righteous before God? Can you raise your hand? Uh, you know what? I can raise my hand. <laughs> I really can raise my hand. Because it's not because of me. And it's not because I feel good about the sin I may have committed early this morning or yesterday. Uh, but because I'm righteous. And um, it's never going to be about anything that I do. Uh, but... To me, it helps that it was written by Paul. Who would yeah. understand. Yes. You know, it's coming from his experience. Too. Yeah, yeah. And that makes it very real yeah, for me. Uh, because... Paul would say, I'm the worst of sinners. And uh, he got it. He got it. We need to get it too. Hey, thanks, guys. I hope you've been enjoying Romans. Uh, been enjoying uh, Jeff's sermons on Romans 8. We'll look forward to more of that. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing Jim Mueller preach today. So, worship time. <laughs>